I'm Tim Fleming, and this is Better Outcomes, a podcast about stories and experiences from the underrepresented minority side of medicine and healthcare, featuring both patients and providers with the goal of making medicine more equitable for more people. So a couple of things right up front about this episode with Mariah Switch Henderson. First, we have a lot of fun in this interview. We make jokes about how ridiculous medical TV shows have become, we talk about gender reveal parties and how weird they are, and Mariah corrects me when I make a very obvious mistake. Actually, that happens twice. Secondly, though, and more important, Mariah's insight into the interactions that transgender and non-binary folk have with the American healthcare system is firsthand from two different angles. They're a physician assistant in adult primary care at Brigham and Women's Faulkner Hospital, and they're non-binary themselves. I'm so grateful to have had an opportunity to get both really personal in this interview and hear them recount their experiences as someone with an evolving gender identity as well as a healthcare provider to patients all across the gender spectrum. In this interview, Mariah reveals how psychiatric holds play out differently for trans and non-binary folk and gives some direction for patients seeking trans-competent healthcare. My favorite part of the episode is when Mariah explains how their PA program educated on queer healthcare in a way that left something to be desired, and how they fixed that by going rogue and hijacking the curriculum with something as simple as a PowerPoint. <clears throat> Mariah, why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about your job, obviously, um, and then also really when you first wanted to get into healthcare, and, and maybe just introduce yourself too. Sure. So, uh, hi, my name is Mariah Switch Henderson. Uh, I'm a physician assistant at the Brigham and Women's Faulkner Hospital in primary care. Um, so I've been doing that for just about a year. My work anniversary is in a few weeks. Congrats. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I, I work in adult primary care. Um, I do urgent care within the department. So if you call and you're like, I want to see my doctor today or tomorrow, and your doctor doesn't have time, then people come and see me. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of anything from like coughs and colds, like belly pain, and sometimes I do, you know, follow-up of, um, I've done like mental health follow-up, I've done, you know, diabetes and high blood pressure follow-up, um, ultimately just like whatever needs doing. So, cool. yeah. So you kind of cover the gamut, uh, but it's all adults, right? Yes. Okay. Nobody under 18. Good. Good to know. Um, so when did you start on this path? So it was a, it was definitely an interesting path. So I was in college um, and I was studying music and I was studying math. Um, And my boyfriend at the time was an EMT. Our college has like a um, student run 911 squad. So for any on-campus emergencies, they're deployed first. Um, And I was like, oh, this looks cool. This looks like a fun adventure. Um, So I became an EMT uh, and started doing that my sophomore year. Um, And at the same time, switched from majoring in math to psychology. And I was like, oh, I might be a clinical psychologist when I grow up. Um, and then I kept thinking like, oh, but I kind of want to keep EMTing on the side. Like that would be really cool. And after a while I was like, I think I really just want to do medicine and not go into psych. Um, and so I was looking at, I really didn't want to go to medical school. Uh, it was, it was just really daunting and everybody I knew who was getting ready for medical school was kind of miserable. Um, so I was looking at nursing programs and, uh, and the, the same boyfriend, he was like, hey, have you heard of being a physician assistant? And I was like, I've literally never heard of this in my whole life. I thought he was talking about being a medical assistant. And he's like, no, 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 you got to look it up. So I, you know, did a bunch of reading. Uh, I shadowed somebody over the summer and 
just like started playing catch up with all my prerequisites. So I took like summer classes and then whatever I could do at Brandeis I did. Um, and then the, the big thing is to get to PA school, you have to have some number of clinical hours. You have to work with patients. Um, so after college, I worked as an EMT for a year, and then I worked as a uh, clinical tech in, like a you know patient care assistant in the emergency room at Mount Auburn Hospital. Um, and I, I did that until I um, started in the Northeastern Physician Assistant Program. Right on. I think it's, it's interesting because right now, obviously physician's assistants it's a role that's been around. If I may. Yes, please. The technical word, it's physician yes. assistant. There's physician no apostrophe S. No, this is great. This is the best. Um, I love that. For everyone who's listening, it's not obviously, it's not a visual medium, but there was like a quick like pointer finger. <laughs> hey, by the way, I was like, noted. Okay. Um, physician assistant. It's something that obviously has existed for a, a while, but it seems like just now, a lot of people are pursuing it. And probably because of the reason that you just said, which is that a lot of people who are preparing for medical school are looking at other options, because it is daunting. Yeah, so, I mean, the the big thing is, it's a, I mean, it was a two-year program, mm-hmm. um, and there's no residency. So I graduated in 2016, and by the beginning of 2017, I was working, like, on my own. Um, you know, the, one of the other big differences, though, is that you, you know, I have to have a physician supervisor. They're attached to my license. Um, they don't, you know, she doesn't see all of my patients. Right. Um, but ultimately, you know, I let her know if I prescribe a controlled substance, uh, and I go to her if I have any questions. And I think, you know, quarterly she reviews some of my charts and sure. lets me know if there's, you know, places I should be, you know, working on things. Cool. So you have a you have a sense of autonomy. I mean, yeah. you're working with you're working quote unquote underneath. A physician, but you have a sense of autonomy. That's great. Um, and so, kind of like switching gears on the question, but obviously still encompassing like what we're actually talking about today. When did you start kind of exploring your own gender identity and kind of understanding that it might not be exactly what society's kind of said? Hey, boys are going to be wearing blue all the time. Girls are going to be wearing pink all the time. I hate it. It's I hate the worst. it. <laughs> I'm working on a baby blanket right now. Um, and it's for, um, so I have two friends who are, are going to have a baby. Well, technically like my friend's wife is going to have right. a baby. <laughs> um, but uh, he's a trans man. So I'm working on like the, the trans flag um, as right. a baby blanket. Uh-huh. But I was, so there's, it's like blue and pink and white stripes. So I was like working on the pink stripe on the, the tee and someone's like, oh, do you know it's going to be a girl? And I was like, nope, no. like I'm making all the colored stripes <laughs> right now. Yeah, no, it's great. It's, we're, we're, we're getting to a place where we can finally like maybe not um, care so much about those gender reveal Oh my parties. God, yeah. One of my coworkers was talking about, um, you know, kind of like, you know, possible, like, she was talking about, like, parties she'll be having in the future. She's like, you know, like, the wedding and, you know, um, the wedding and, like, a summer barbecue and then, you know, probably, like, a, you know, baby shower and a gender reveal. And I was like, can I host your gender reveal? I'll be like, I show up, like, somebody cuts the cake and I'm like, congratulations, your baby will reveal their gender when they're old enough to have a concrete sense of gender identity, which is generally around the age of five. But that's not true of everybody. Um, that is going to have to be you, a huge cake. <laughs> you cut the cake, rainbow M&Ms fall out, and I deploy a PowerPoint. I'm like, hello, everybody. They're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Why did we We wanted to have fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... an entertaining PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> that's great. That's um, great. But yeah, so, um, you know, that was, it's much less of a straightforward story than figuring out I wanted Obviously. to be a PA. Um, but I was in, um, I was 
in a relationship a few years ago and uh, things were good. You know, it was a relationship with another woman and, you know, I was like feeling pretty settled into that. Like we kind of had that like traditional butch femme dynamic going mm-hmm. on. Um, and, you know, I was like around the end, I just started having this, this feeling that, I don't know, it, it was just like this, this general unsettled feeling, you know, when you're like watching a movie or something and you're like, I, something doesn't feel quite right, but I don't right. really know what it is. Um, and like there were these little things where I like started wearing like a baseball cap backwards. And I, I was like, I like doing this. This yeah. makes me feel masculine. Um, and I, I've been binding my chest for a while. I started doing it um, during PA school. And I was like, oh, I just like the way it makes my clothes look. Like mm-hmm. I liked the look of having a flat chest. Um, and, you know, I there were a whole bunch of like weird things. You know, like when I sure. write fiction, um, I was writing a lot of fiction about like male-male relationships. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know. I never like wrote from like the perspective of like a woman in a relationship with another right. woman. It was, I don't know. And I was like, oh, this is just like, I don't know. I'm writing fiction, like whatever. This is what you do. Um, and then we were uh, down the Cape with her church, and I just like all of a sudden there was this. Uh, we were doing kind of a personality index exploration thing, and one of them, uh, we were we were discussing kind of what what we felt people needed us to be and they were like you know what do you what do you think your you know your your partner or your kids or your friends or your family like what do you think they you know they want you to be kind of what do you what do you feel other people want you to be and I was just like oh I can't do this like and I left and I called my roommate I was like I can't do this anymore like it was just really this like very sudden thing of like I can't be someone's girlfriend right now mm-hmm. like I that's not me um and I, I just remember being like I just I want to be someone's boyfriend. Like, that's a thing that I want. Like, there we go. Um, and then, you know, that was obviously a messy situation. Sure. And, you know, I didn't want to lose her. We, you know, very briefly discussed an open relationship. And ultimately, you know, this was a thing I needed to explore on my own. And right. I did. Right. So that was, that's, I mean, when you look back on the little things, like, you know, writing fiction from a male perspective, are those things that you noticed at the time or kind of after this moment you were like, oh wow, shoot, you know, here's, I guess, maybe things were leading to this realization? You know, kind of, I, I think at the time I did realize that things, I, I did realize that something was shifting, mm-hmm. but, you know, I mean, there are masculine women. Of course. Um, and, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is just, you know, a part of that. Um, you know, I'd always, so my, my mom and I, like, look very similar, and we both have short hair, and, like, she hates getting mistaken for a man. Hmm. Um, and, but I, like, I love it. I'm just like, oh, cool. Like, let yeah. me con- confuse some strangers. Sure. Like, like, there's just always that, like, awkward moment. They're like, oh, can I help you, sir? And I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, actually, I'm looking for, they're like, oh, I mean, ma'am, oh, God, oh, how do I do this? And I'm just like, hmm, there you go. I'm assuming what people are based on their hair. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was going through my my journal from at the time, and I found notes where I was like, I went to therapy and I was chatting about my gender with yeah. you know Stacy and wondering about what this means for my girlfriend and I. Yeah. Um, the reason I ask is the way you describe the moment, being in kind of a, a group of people, going through kind of a personality index. Most people in those moments are like, oh, I guess I'm more introverted. You know what I mean? It's 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 obviously a part of 
you know, they realize maybe a part of their personality. But that's a huge moment to be in a group of people and to be in, you know, a... Um, hundred miles away from yeah, home. Yeah, a hundred miles away from <laughs> home. And, and to have it be like, oh, I'm like indexing, you know, what I should be for myself and for others. And it, it it's just, it's almost like a cinematic moment. I don't mean to no, immediately it, it make a movie was. scene out of it, but it feels like that's so huge. Um, I'm glad you had a roommate immediately available to talk. Oh my that's gosh. helpful. Yeah. He's he's a good dude. Yeah. I was just like, like standing. I remember like looking out on the ocean and like I called him so many times that yeah. weekend because like you know ultimately I was I was there with like, her friends and like right. her community and I was like I can't talk about this with anybody. Here. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're definitely about to go eat breakfast and I have more on my mind. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I've never been tempted to hire uh, like a hundred mile Uber as much as I was that weekend. I'm sure. We were literally on the Cape and I was like, mm, well, I'm trapped here. This is fine. It might have even have been cheaper to like go all the way up to the other end of the Cape and just take the ferry back to Boston. I mean, yeah, what a what a better place or what a better time to like go You're and right. like seek refuge in Provincetown. <laughs> You're like, right. What's up? That everybody? was the spot. Just left my lesbian yeah. relationship You made a mistake trans. that <laughs> night by not going to Provincetown. Oh. Oh boy. So, okay. So that's a, that's a, I mean, that's like a, a huge starting point, I guess. Um, and the, so everything that I do, I kind of filter through my lens as like white guy, cisgender, gay guy. Like that's kind of like, I, I filter everything through that, um, including my work, including my school, including the, the entertainment that I listen to and I watch and whatever. Has, has your sort of, you know, process I guess, informed the way that you are as a physician assistant at all? Or is it more so that it's just added a different element to it? So I, I was interested in trans healthcare like before I even realized my, my gender identity. Um, I, you know, I've been interested in LGBT health, mm-hmm. um, kind of middle of college. I started doing some trainings on that. Um, and then you know, I was like, oh, I really don't know a lot about transgender health. Right. Um, I mean, I've, I've gotten more interested in it, sure. more interested in it um, since you know coming to terms with my own gender identity. Um, you know, I've considered going into um, going into trans health, um, but you know, right now I'm just going to do like general primary care. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the biggest thing I, I feel like it just informs my language in terms of you know when I you know take a sexual history, mm-hmm. you know, asking about you know, partners and, you know, my, my favorite thing is I'll be like, oh, so, you know, tell me about your, your partners, you know, are they men, women, both, something else? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people, it's just like, aha, uh-huh, like, you're just having, you're, you're just, like, right. asking a nice open-ended question. But, you know, I imagine that for somebody who has, like, you know, a non-binary or a trans partner. Sure. And it'll be kind of, huh, I hope it'll be nice to have that option. Yeah. I mean, I'm cisgender myself, so it's like, it doesn't even occur to me that, like, when my doctor asks me about female partners, male partners, that there's like Other more work out there, for yeah. us to be doing. Do you know what I mean? And then I say us because I'm an EMT too, and I've I've um, you know had experiences where I've been with my EMT partner or my uh, or like a nurse on the floor at a hospital, and and they aren't as um, I don't want to say like progressive. That's not the word that I want to like say. With but, it, but like you know, with it, yeah, like thoughtful of of language as a part of their job and not just like the way that they go through their day. Right. Um, 
So that's so. Have you had any patients yet who are non-binary, who are trans, who are genderqueer, or anything like that? Yeah, um, you know, I like to like poke through people's charts before sure. I, I see them, so I don't walk in and be like, "Tell me everything." Hey, I don't I know can, anything about I've you. I've never seen you before. And your name is Deborah, and they're like, "I'm Steve." Yeah, so <laughs> you know, the it's it was good. You know, I, I opened someone's chart and I was like, "Oh, okay." Like the most, you know, they had a bunch of like endocrinology notes mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, they were, you know, they'd been talking about an endocrinologist, talking with an endocrinologist about starting hormone therapy and, you know, kind of had, you know, what name they were using at the time. So, you know, I, I went in and I, you know, I always, you know, I, I think I make a point to, to ask people, you know, what they like to be called. Um, no, actually, I don't. I always think I do. Um, mm. But like in general, it's just, you know, there's not enough time and that's often the situation in healthcare. Sure. Is... You know, if I'm going in for like a quick thing and I'm like, oh, okay, what brings you in today? Like, da da da. Like, I don't call people by their names a lot. Right. Um, but like with this patient, you know, I, I did actually make a point of being like, hi, you know, I'm Mariah, I'm the PA. Um, you know, like, what do you want me to call you? And, right. you know, we actually talked because like their legal name in the chart had been changed at one point, but it actually needed to be changed back. So there was like hmm. this like legal name versus chosen name, like right. medical record, like this whole big situation. Um, so, you know, we, we got to talk about that and just make sure that, you know, even just from a records point of view, everything was, right. was set. Right, that somebody wasn't misfiling things literally because of names on paper. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. You, you just said something that I've heard. I have some trans friends who have said the exact same thing, which is that there's, it just feels, and they, they've only spoken from the patient side of things where they say it just feels like nobody has the time in the day to like really uh, make this a, a part of their health care as opposed to just like, like I think now because we have trans people in the media and non-binary people in the media much more, people are aware of it, but it still doesn't feel to some of my friends as if it's a part of their health care. It just right. feels like it's like, oh, okay, here's your gender, but it doesn't feel like it's part of their health care yet. Right. They've specifically mentioned uh, emergency departments because obviously the pace is a lot faster and the decisions are being made you know, on the fly. Um, and I've, I have two friends specifically who say that they, they won't even go, uh, which is scary, obviously. So in terms of like actual like healthcare things, like from your perspective as a physician assistant, I'm not asking you to point out <laughs> name names of doctors, that's certainly not what I'm gonna do, but like what should, what, what should we be doing more of? And I don't say we as in like, Myself, but like, community. yeah, like I guess we as a medical community, yeah. Um, so you know, first, just to address, you know, that, that a lot of people feel like gender identity and sexuality don't really have anything to do with your healthcare. Um, that's actually wrong. Like right. we know that um, these all have have bearing on you know your physical and your psychological health. Um, so we're really working on um, having people collect sexual orientation and gender identity, like information at visits. Right. So there's like a section in the medical history where we can put it in and that asks for um, sexual orientation, uh, sex assigned at birth, and gender identity. Um, and once again, like I, I can't read it every now and then I'll be like, yeah, you know, like today's the day that I'm gonna collect it on every patient. But right. like, you know, I have 30 minutes per patient visit and that's like luxurious. And most of the time I end up using all of it. Yeah. Um, you know, most providers have 15 or 20 minute visits and like you need all of that time to do what you're there yeah. for. So that data doesn't get collected a lot. Um, but you know, it's important having it in the record for you know, epidemiologic purposes so we can track 
you know, if we're doing a medical record <coughs> review, we can track, you know, uh, diagnoses or, um, you know, healthcare utilization between different groups. Um, but, you know, it's known that uh, lesbians and bisexual women have, like, higher rates of cervical cancer because they get pap smears less frequently than like, oh. heterosexual women. Um, and there are higher, like, self-reported um, cases of cancer among gay men, but, you know, clinically they haven't, I don't think they've correlated that clinically, right. but if you, like, if they ask people of, like, have you had cancer, um, that's what they, they say. Um, and then just kind of, like, across the board, like, transgender health, like, people, there's just underutilization of healthcare. Right. Um, and, yeah, so emergency rooms are, like, one of, one of the worst places because like you don't have time to build a relationship like if you find a primary care provider who you like and you can like sit and talk with them during the intake visit and they know that you're trans and like that's all good and that's something yeah. that someone who you know you can trust but you show up to the emergency room and you know if you've been there before like they have your name all, all they right. have is, is your right. name and the name on the you know, bracelet the name is gonna and the be... bracelet and like what yeah. the little like sex indicator is um, and you know, ultimately, you know, if you're there for a physical complaint, you're probably gonna be more okay than somebody who is there for a psychological complaint. Right. Um, because, like, psychiatric care is very, like, sex-separated, um, and there's not a lot of resources for, for trans individuals. You know, a lot of places are like, oh, well, we have a bed on, like, a women's unit, or... Right. Um, Yeah, it's just like the, you know, different programs, kind of how things are, are divvied up. Yeah. The first time we met, we talked at length about that, and it was one of the things that I was really surprised by because there's, there's such a, like I said, media attention on trans people's physical bodies mm -hmm. that we, we really don't think about um, as much the, the mental health aspect. And we talked a lot about that. We, we talked specifically about, uh, you know, involuntary holds um, kind of how that would could maybe affect a trans person in a completely different way in, in an unexpected way for people who have like never spoken with someone who's trans or non-binary from your you know perspective and obviously you know you're only working with adults you know wh where does it start to get dicey for trans and non-binary people when they walk in and they need help for mental health I mean, the biggest thing is finding access to a, you know, not just like trans competent <coughs> provider, but like, you know, there's like competence and then there's like actually, you, know, you want you want somebody who, right. you know, knows, you know, is not just like, oh yeah, like I know what a transgender person is, right. but like can actually, you know, kind of work with the unique challenges that those individuals have. Um, and I, I mean, I, I know that kind of on the outpatient setting, a lot of people have trouble accessing these folks mm -hmm. um, you know there's really no like centralized database for any of these things so it's really all word of mouth because someone's like oh yeah I saw this therapist and she was great so let me refer all my other trans friends to see her um, and like I said on the, on the outpatient setting there's you know, I'm not working with a lot of acute situations I'm not working on you know getting placement for you know inpatient or outpatient programs um, like in the emergency setting, I mean, like, all psychiatric patients kind of get treated like right. they're, you know, a problem or they're doing this on purpose, um, that they're trying to be difficult. Um, 
and you know, I just there's not like there, you get no privacy like all of your right. like the curtains of your rooms have to be open because like nobody wants everybody needs to make sure that you're not you know gonna hurt yourself um, someone's always like sitting outside your room um, you know you like have to like change out of your clothes and like maybe you can't you know wear whatever gender affirming things that right. you would usually be wearing um, medication like hopefully you're you're able to you know you have access to your hormones but like you know if you're in the emergency department for you know 24 36 72 hours which is not an uncommon amount of time for people to be held like who knows if you know the emergency department provider is gonna you know actually get you you know your estrogen or whatever from the pharmacy to have you you do that you know you're not you're lucky if you get to shower in the you know a three-day you know wait in the emergency room um, so, you know, if you're somebody who has to, like, shave their face every day, right. um, like, that's going to be super distressing. Right. Um, and which is going to make everything worse. Of like, course. you're already there of course. because, yeah. you know, things aren't great mental health-wise. And if all of a sudden you're like, ah, I'm looking more like a dude every yeah. day. Like, yeah. this is not a thing that I want. Um, you know, that can be really distressing for folks. Right. Obviously, you want to be able to kind of maintain the the identity of someone while they're being involuntarily held. Uh, the reason why I even ask this question is I had a patient myself who, I, I'm like I said, I'm an EMT, so I don't, it was as much of an emergency situation as, you know, being a, a basic EMT can, can get you. Uh, and the patient had a pretty bad wound and wanted to be referred to by uh, their first initial and I mentioned it to a nurse on the floor and that particular nurse like really was not receptive to it and I know that that patient was going to end up being held there for a long time and I just it was it was distressing you know to watch them kind of realize like every person that was going in the room was going to misgender them and was going to use a completely different name than they referred to and it was just one of those things that I was like, this seems easy. This seems like one of the easier things that we can fix. Right, right. Um, I know that like, people always talk about like gaydar within within group and gaydar like without. So like if you know you or I as queer people can like look <coughs> at somebody and be like, mm, yeah, you look like you're yeah. one of us. Whereas like yeah. if a straight person's like, mm, you look like you're gay. It's basically like you're just rolling off stereotypes. So. Right. They're like his shoes are nice. Right. 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 So so when I, I I at least hope that, you know, when I, like, you know, it's not uncommon, I would, like, see someone come into the ER and I would be like, you look like you're one of us. Yeah, like, family. I'm going to go and just, we're just going to chat and, like, yeah. make sure that, like, your name and pronouns are right. Like, a lot of the time I was right, so, um, but I, like, you know, I would, you know, put a note in the in the chart before the doctor saw it being like, hey, this person uses he, him pronouns and this yeah. is the name they want to use. Like, that doesn't get covered a lot. I had to do, like, a lot of pronoun correction. But on the other hand, um, you know, I was EMT as well, and you know, it's it's a lot of just you know low key psych transports. Like yeah. someone's been in the ER for a few days, you're gonna go take them to the you know the place where they're gonna be for sure. a while longer. Uh, and one local hospital, we were picking up a teenager, and we get there, and they like hand us the the form. It's called a Section 12, and it's what lets you transport somebody or keep someone involuntarily. And 
uh, on the top there's like the little check boxes for like male female and right. they literally like made another check box and had written like patient was like male at birth but identifies as female and like checked the box that they made and I was like I love it genius that's and great every person we talked to along the way was like oh hey like she actually wants to be called like you know whatever name she'd chosen right and so like that person at the reception desk and then like the nurse we talked to and even like this old like psych attendant came over and he was just like she wants to be called Jennifer and he had this face of like I don't quite understand but this is a thing that matters yeah, I'm in the boat we're down the river yeah. yeah and you know we when we get to the receiving facility like I was like hey I just want to make sure and they're like oh yeah they called ahead they let us know like she's gonna be you know kind of it, you know it depended on her rooming situation because yeah. they were um, it was like a double room situation they're like oh no we got it all you know right so you know there are people out there who are good, and yeah. ultimately it comes down to you know getting training. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't expect everybody to, to know these sorts of things because they're really not addressed in schools. Right. Um, and so you know, if you just like get your whole department together and you're like, all right, guys, like let's try to make healthcare less terrible. For <laughs> yeah. Folks. So this is actually the the perfect jumping off point for the next question, and it's interesting because I've asked this question to pretty much every person I've interviewed so far. Um, like across a wide spectrum of identities, but like how much education do you do, you know, in your professional life? And I'm not saying, you know, PowerPoint, although we've already talked about how good you are at PowerPoint. <laughs> Always available for a PowerPoint. But how much education do you do kind of like on the sly, you know, where you're with your coworkers and you're like, hey, by the way, what you said is Maybe not the best. And maybe it's not like that, too. Maybe I'm just assuming that it's always like a slap on the wrist, which it doesn't have to be. So most of what I do, and you know, we don't, we don't see a lot of patients who are out as trans. Right. Um, so but, you know, with a, a young man I was working with um, whose like, you know, indicator on their paperwork was F, and uh, you know, their birth name was on the, the paperwork. Uh, the nurse kept using like she. And I was like, mm, nope, like he. Yeah. He's going to get. And then you know, you're just kind of like, you keep doing it like you just do the little correction and like that's generally the most I do you know every now and then you know if I know somebody I feel like I could pull them aside and be like hey just so you know in the future like yeah. you know with folks like this it's best to ask um, but most people aren't most people have never asked someone what their pronouns are right like, I kind of take it for granted you know you go to a liberal arts college you're in like the right. you know LGBT community like that's just what you do but no most people don't ask um, you know, the other thing, you know, we, we talked about this. I've been at my, my job for like four months and two of my attendings come over and they're like, we have a consult for you. And I was like, what What could you possibly consult me Two on? attendings, you're like, oh boy. Like, what do you need? Um, and, you know, one of them was like, okay, so I have uh, a trans transgender patient and uh, she was, was on hormones and, and then went off of them and like wants to go back on, like, what do I do? And I was like, oh, well, you know, um, the the WPATH guidelines, you know, actually like detail out and like you can do this on your own. You know, there are some, you know, does she have any like pre-existing conditions? And he's like, ah, oh, no, just like, you know, some like depression. It's like, oh, okay. Um, I was like, so, you know, you, you could totally prescribe this on your own if you're comfortable. And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, in which case you can, you know, call up endocrinology. Like they have right. to have somebody like, right. we're a major academic medical center. like give them a call, like somebody will be able to help you out. Right, that's great. So you've become, in a way, kind of a go-to. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about how that ended up being a thing, uh, and it was 
when I started at the hospital, they were adding like an LGBT health special interest to the cool. provider directory. So if you like needed to find a doctor and you were like, I would like somebody who's at least taken a rudimentary training on LGBT right. folks, you could like pull them up in a directory. So I like did the, the coursework for that. And then like you have to like get the certificates to your manager. So I was just like, oh, here you go. Like I did these things like you're supposed to have a copy of the certificates and apparently that was enough to get it to be like oh like you're the person who knows yeah, about LGBT those health. certificates are going to be really important for people who have no clue what's going on and they're like great we can just go to Jack yep yep perfect um, oh, we hadn't we hadn't talked about that before, actually. Yeah, I thing. just it I just said it and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> You're like oh, gotta go back. Yeah, so I mean, I'm in this like this goofy like non-binary like name limbo because um, like at work and with like my family and a lot of my like social interactions, I still go by Mariah. Uh, it's a name I really like and I would like to keep it. Um, but you know, with my partner and his friends and you know other parts of my social life. Um, I go by Jack, which is my chosen name. Um, you know, my, my roommate like just switches it up depending on like the context or like how like am I doing something that's particularly manly at the time? Like I don't know. Like um, like are we are we watching hockey? Like are we decorating the Christmas tree? Like right. did you uh, just bake scones? If that's the case. Oh my gosh, I wish. <laughs> Um, that's fantastic. But but yeah, no, I, I have no plans for like, I have no idea how that's going to like turn out in the long run. Yeah. Um, but like whatever. Yeah. I use them both. I respond to both of them. Of course. It's good though that you're, you're in a place where you can just sort of like figure it out and kind of exist in the landscape that you're in. Yeah. Um, and like that's, that's great too that the hospital that you're working in too, uh, you know, obviously, you're going by yeah, Mariah when you're there. I'm not, like, out-out at work. Right. Um, basically, like, if I have a colleague who I want to be, who, like, I feel close enough to that we would be Facebook friends, Yeah. I kind of, like, come out by just having them, like, be on Facebook, like, see right. my, like, Facebook profile and being like, oh, okay, like, got a different name on here. Like, right. I have both names listed. Um, you know, I talk about, like, being someone's boyfriend, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not like, I don't know, it's not a thing that comes up at work otherwise. Right. You know, there's an amount of, you know, personal life that comes up at work. You know, like, oh, yeah, like my boyfriend and I are going to do this. Or, right. you know, oh, I have a funny story about my ex-girlfriend. So, like, yeah. everybody knows that I'm bi just by the stories I tell. But, right. like, there's, I don't know, there's, like, no, no, no workplace stories where you're like, oh, so, like, me and my crazy thing happened with my gender identity. Yeah, like, yeah. So you know how trans I am. So I was at <laughs> dinner. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that wouldn't just wouldn't just normally come up right away. Right. My boyfriend, who's a gay man. <laughs> how does that work, you ask? Well, like, no. I have a PowerPoint actually. <laughs> <laughs> so for for um, patients who are trans, for patients who are non-binary, or for patients who might not have any clue yet and, and just wanna maybe talk to someone or, 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 or get a new PCP for that matter. Uh, is there any type of like, you said there's no real listing or no real you know, database of like trans, queer, uh, non-binary friendly locations, but do you have any advice for anyone who's just like kind of about to walk into a hospital? 
call the hospital ahead of time. Look first of all, like look on their website. Um, like I said, the Brigham and Women's has like a LGBT um, health clinical interest provider directory, mm-hmm. so you can like filter it by that. Um, and you know, technically, the requirements for that were like you've taken these three courses. Right. You, and I think you had to check boxes that say like you regularly work with like LGBT patients and remember what the other one was sure um so you know they may not be like super experienced but you know they've they've met an lgbt person before right and they have like you know a basic understanding of terminology uh some places do have uh trans health clinics so uh boston medical center has one and then mass general is developing one now i think the brigham has one in the pipeline uh, because like hey we've discovered that you know in addition to surgery and hormones and therapy like it's good to have all of that and primary care under one roof so that you're not you know as much as we say like oh all of your providers communicate no 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 right like but if you're part of you know a cohesive care team with primary care involved it makes things you know you're going to get better care and everybody's going to be on the same page yeah it's it's important to unsilo those things i mean ultimately that pertains to a lot of things like sure people, you know in primary care like we have people whose you know diabetes are managed by endocrinology right. their hypertension is and um you know a lot of times we just like pull up someone's notes and we're like okay like dr so-and-so is, has changed this um you know but you know they don't send us you know they don't necessarily send us you know the other notes we don't really loop them in so it's just kind of you know doing a record review and being like oh okay i guess this other person did this yeah um but yeah, uh, overall, like calling a hospital ahead of time and like asking if they have any providers who, you know, specifically, you know, do you have any, you know, primary care providers who have worked with transgender patients before, um, you know, and if, if like they're not sure, which a lot of places aren't sure, um, you can go and, you know, try to talk to the practice. People always talk about getting like kind of a, like a meet and greet, like introductory interview with a provider where you could say like, hey, like, I want to, like, meet with you for, like, one patient session to kind of, like, interview you as a provider right. and make sure that you, you know, that we, you know, that, that you're able to provide care to a person like me. Uh, insurance-wise and schedule-wise, I have no idea how sure. that works, but people always talk about it. Cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Um, and then we've, we've kind of talked about, like, what we wish uh, doctors would do more of. Uh, what is it, and, and I think for for people who are listening to this, the goal is to really, you know, clamp down on the problems before they start. Um, and like you said, there's almost no time as soon as you're in the actual profession to to really like sit down and investigate or, you know, really get to know someone's like depth as opposed to width of, of what their life is like. Um, so for people who are listening to this, really the goal is like, <clears throat> let's identify the things that they could possibly do wrong, um, which is not fun. But obviously, we know misgendering is a thing that, that happens all the time, and we know you know pronoun use. What, what are there any other things that you can think of that you've witnessed yourself, or that you might have done, or I know there are things that I've done um, that health providers should just do less of. I mean, so they're always like the, you know, the, I say, I say like little things, but you know, little things kind of make everything. So, you know, when you're talking about, um, you know, partners, like boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, spouse, um, you know, being careful of what words you use in that situation. Right. Um, you know, asking about reproductive health. 
um, like every now and then I'll be like, you know, somebody will be having, you know, menstrual complaints and I'll be like, oh, well, are you using anything? Or, you know, are you on birth control? And they'll be like, well, no, because I'm a lesbian. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, right. you know, granted, there are a number of reasons that people can be on birth control. It's sure. just like this moment where I was like, oh, okay. Like, I should have figured out, you know, taken a better sexual history before I went into this other part. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of adjusting in, you know, intake forms that can be done to kind of, once again, this all banks on like, can you, you know, do you have enough time to review a patient's chart right. before you come in? Um, you know, how are things in the, you know, in the medical record? We have a, like a chosen name section, but you really have to go hunting for it. Yeah. I've tried to update that for patients and it's like, nobody's going to see this. Right. Um, you know, and. But ultimately, these things take a lot of work. Like getting changes made to a medical record takes a long time, a, lo a lot of time. Yeah, and, you know, people need to, you know, there's already a lot of stuff on that screen. So yeah. how do you decide that you know, like, you know, chosen name and pronouns get to show up on there? Right. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, if you don't, if you don't know something, ask. Yeah. Um, ultimately, you know, it shouldn't be your patient's job to explain you know, how to, how to take care of a trans person or how to take care of like a lesbian patient. Um, but you know, you should, you should know when to ask questions, like know when to refer out, know when you need to say like, you know, I don't have an answer right. to your question, but let me, you know, chat with some colleagues and I'll, you know, send you a message on patient gateway once I have a better idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. When you have I'm kind of thinking back to when you said you would like kind of maybe notice somebody in the waiting room and you're like, I'm going to go have a chat with them before <laughs> they walk in. When you have had those experiences, uh, have those patients reacted in a way that's, you know, like more positive than other patient experiences or does it feel kind of par for the course? I think folks who have had, like traditionally have had bad experiences in, you know, this most of these things were in the emergency setting where like nobody's having a great time, but right. some people have had, you know, if you've been there for psych reasons a bunch of times, like, and you know that, you know, you're going to get misgendered, you know that, you know, there's just, there's going to be this whole thing you have to deal with, you know, an attending who calls you the wrong name. Right. Um, you know, I think having someone come out and, you know, I, I had to do an EKG on somebody because like you need to get that for every psych patient ever. Right. Um, and, you know, going over being like, hey, you know, I'm Mariah, I'm the person who's going to do your EKG. Um, you know, what, you know, what, what are you, what do you have on under your gown? Like, are you, are you wearing a binder? And they're like, oh yeah. And I'm like, okay, so I don't need you to take it off, but I need you to kind of move it in this way so I can get the electrodes on. Right. Um, you know, to kind of like, what can I do to make this experience more comfortable for you? Um, yeah. And they, and they're, I don't know, there were, you know, we had like a polyamorous couple or group of folks in the in the ER one time and I was like my it's very easy to make quest make mistakes when you're asking or when you're like addressing a group of people being like oh and like you must be the mom like you right. must be her whatever um so you know whenever I go into a room I'm like oh you know I'm Ryan I'm the PA um who's this with you um because like in this one situation it was like oh this is my husband and like this is his boyfriend or like right. this is my boyfriend and it's like oh okay cool like much easier to like have you explain your family than it is for right. me to be like oh let me play guess who's who. your friend over here yeah like, it's just like who's who's this with you like yeah i think 
not proud to say this, but I think there is a <laughs> Grey's Anatomy scene that is exactly that. <laughs> My boyfriend watches Grey's Anatomy real, like religiously, uh, and I'm pretty sure that's that was written into the show specifically. Let me, if I, if I gotta say a few words about medical TV shows. Yes. I've seen a few episodes of Grey's Anatomy and there was one where there was like a bomb inside some dude. And yep. I was like, mm, we're done, we're done. This has been great, but no. <laughs> Listen, uh, if, I've said it a million times before. If the series finale of that television program is not. Is that still going? It is still on. But that's like 15 years or something. I mean, good for them. I mean, listen, great for them, but if that show doesn't end with somehow uncovering like an ancient curse on the grounds of that hospital, then nothing makes sense because they've experienced every single plane crash, ferry crash, and like not just. There isn't even a body of water around here. No, How is there a ferry crash? It's, it's like, it's not even that. It's because, uh, like, obviously, those accidents are going to end up at every hospital. Right. But it's like five doctors who have all crashed on every single mode of transportation so far. Calm down. Every single one of them. Anyway, when you were in your PA program, was there any, I'll just even use the word queer because I feel like most programs are not separating out based on, like, you know, uh, sexual orientation, gender identity, intersex. They're not doing that yet. Was there even any like, kind of like queer umbrella type education? So there was supposed to be. Um, it was like on the on the itinerary at one point, um, but it ended up not happening. So they just sent out the PowerPoint, um, and it was like it wasn't. It, there was. It, it, I just remember looking over it, and it was a lot of like scenario based things, right? Where it was like, oh, like a you know patient comes in and like his two like his two moms are there like you know here's the interaction of being like oh but like which one of you is the real mom or like and it's like okay no like let's how do we talk about people who right. have like same-sex parents like um and it, I was like this is really not much and also like the powerpoint was just sent out to us like there was no presentation yeah. with it um so I actually kidnapped my class I got in trouble I like sent out an email to the class Facebook page I was like hey guys like during lunch on Thursday like I'm gonna be giving a presentation on LGBT health like you don't have to come but I think it's really important and I like got up there because I've been I've been doing this powerpoint for like EMTs for a while so I was like what's up like let's just talk about like here's the vocabulary like gender sex and sexuality um you know, how do, why does this matter in healthcare? Um, here are some stats about why you should care. And then I got like pulled into the like department office and she was like, yeah, like the thing about like curriculum is like, you gotta like- We decide we, on it. We decide the curriculum and like, you know, like we can't have students like presenting lecture material. And I was like, well, I already did it, so <laughs> too bad. <laughs> they actually did have me come back after I graduated. And there you go. It was you great. Are they an gave me like an dream. hour and a half long slot. It was that's it was great. great. So it, this is so funny that you're bringing this up. Um, I have a f very good friend who's in a nursing program, and had the exact same situation, where uh, his program essentially said, you know, here's the unit on queer health, and almost exclusively focused on uh, gay men, great. Uh, cis gay men and didn't really touch on anything else. Which like honestly, historically, like that's where a lot of the research is. Sure, oh um, yeah, absolutely. HIV was a big deal, and that's sure. kind of when people started caring about LGBT health, because right. we had young men who were dying at a very young age, and we needed to figure out how to stop that. So, you know, 
most most of the research for a while was just you know on HIV and HIV prevention and right. HIV transmission. Um, but you know, in terms of you know everybody else, um, there's a lot less research just because right. we've been paying attention for less time. Right, and then you end up with you know rebellious students who end up hijacking people <laughs> at lunch, which is great, which is honestly fantastic, and it, it seems like it's flowed somewhat to a point right into your career now, um, which is great. I wish I, I want that PowerPoint. I would like that PowerPoint, that'd yeah. be great. I'm going down the list, I'm seeing if there's anything else. There's like the one kind of like big Barbara Walters question, which is like, what do you wish for the future of like transgender, non-binary healthcare? Um, but I wanna let you think about that one because it's like a huge question. I mean, I thought about it because you okay. the questions I had over time. I did. Um, Ultimately, and I, you know, being a primary care person, I right. want to make everything about primary care. Um, but you know, getting centralized care within the primary care structure would be really great. Um, and when you say centralized care, you you mean what you said earlier, which was, you know, getting everything done in a in an all inclusive clinic setting, or great. even you know, everybody thinks you know, oh, you you know, you can't prescribe hormones in primary care, like that has to be endocrinology. Right. And I'm not saying that you know the end all be all of trans healthcare is hormones. Right. Um, but you know that's one thing is you know you have to you know have a primary care doctor who will refer you out, um, and you know if they don't think you're suitable, if they don't think you're you know mentally ready, right? Um, you know it's just like another gatekeeping step. Um, but like primary care providers can actually do it. I was at a the Fenway um, Health uh, Transgen Excellence in Transgender Care conference, and. Tim Cavanaugh from Fenway Health was there, and he's like, "Hey, guess what? Like, if you're prescribing diabetes medications, if you're managing hypertension, like, that's harder than prescribing hormones. Like, I will show you the instructions yeah. for prescribing hormones, and it's really easy, and you can do it." Um, and I think that's that's kind of like a short term a short term goal, and I think I'd like to think that we're getting there. Yeah. Um, but you know, in general, like. I wish people, you know, I wish people asked. I wish the medical records made it easy to know if somebody has a different, you know, know what somebody's name and pronouns are. Um, you know, a specialized like transgender health registry in hospitals would be great. Um, you know, having people actually have to go through like education, like yeah, yeah, everybody has to get their like maintenance of certification. You know, hours in, I need like a hundred or two hundred hours every two years or something. Um, but ultimately, it's all what you choose to do. Right. Um, and a lot of it is like, what's convenient? What's grand rounds on this week? Right. Like, what conferences are nearby? What conferences are at like an enticing vacation location? Sure. Um, but, and you know, we like we have a, a primary care retreat like every six months, and you know, most everybody goes to that. And, you know, getting your organization to do a big training on you know LGBT health, on like trans health. Um, you know that can be, you know, it can it can reach a lot of people, and it can, you know, if not making a direct impact on patient care, like right away, it'll at least get people to be like, oh, there's a thing that I don't know about, like right. I should pay more attention. That's there's a, so it, it seems like there is some micro stuff, obviously, um, that PAs and EMTs and actual you know physicians and RNs can can do, but also. It seems like the larger thing is like this whole system of record keeping and research and 
kind of where where we're devoting our, our energy and our time. Um, the system itself does have to change a little bit. I think it's everything that's huge is slow moving though. So I hope we really do see those things happen. I really do. And I think we're gonna get there because I, I and this is not an indictment of people that are older than us, but I think our generation is at least a little more open to hearing about it. You know, being trans and being gay were, you know, classified in the in the DSM as mental disorders. Right. And, you know, you can you can get a lot of training, but it's not necessarily gonna change the way that you, you know, feel the, the way you feel and the way you learn right. about things and um and yeah, so I, I do think, you know, kinda just everything everything moves and yeah. when some when one generation stops practicing, uh the, the mindset and the knowledge of the younger generations right. will fill in. And uh, going off of that, what advice do you have for current PA students, current med students who want to like, and, and I envisioned this question as a joke, but it, it actually does make sense. Like for you took matters into your own hands and you were like, I'm going to do this presentation because it has to be done. Do you have any advice for people who are going through a PA program and who are maybe seeing deficiencies in queer healthcare or anything like that and hijack a lunch? Yeah, if, if you want to be responsible, I mean, go talk to your, you know, your curriculum director, your program advisor, kind of whoever, um, and be like, hey, uh, you know, I was wondering if there's going to be any, if there are plans for any, you know, LGBT health unit, you know, in during our clinical year. Um, if you want to like whip out some facts, you sure. can talk about, um, you know. Everybody always like pulls out the you know the suicide rates, yeah. um, but you know there's there's mental health data, there's physical health data, there's just lack of access data. Um, you know we have the the data to show that like transgender people like avoid care because they've had they've either been refused care or they've been harassed in a medical setting. Um, you know there's just without some statistics on like LGBT healthcare access. Right. Um, you know. This is important. This is important to me. This is important to my classmates. Um, you know, I have a friend at another program, and I know that they've had somebody come right. in and talk about it. Um, you know, I was wondering if this is a thing that you know we could we could get put in, even as like even as an optional lecture. Yeah. Like pe people go to optional lectures. Like everybody's just trying to. Especially trying to if it's student run too. Yeah. You know, that could be great. Cool. Well, listen. Thank you so so much for taking some time. Thank you for um, chatting with me. This was great. Of course. And and I, I, I want the PowerPoints. I want all the facts that you got. I will take the PowerPoints if you have them.